It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Thursday, January 11th, and Trump's biggest critic on the campaign trail just got out of the way. We start here. She's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Chris Christie exits the presidential race and then predicts the downfall of his opponents. None of the candidates are passing that Chris Christie test. If this was supposed to be an inflection point, did a hot mic moment just throw cold water on it? Avalanches happen all the time, but not on manicured ski slopes. We're going to try to clear all you guys out and get the dogs in here. Why authorities are now investigating the cause of a deadly snow slide. And the inmates aren't just running the prison, they might be running the country. It's not just like a local story. It's really something that, that can impact America. Gang members are running riot all over Ecuador, and the drug trade could hang in the balance. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. As we creep closer to the Iowa caucuses on Monday, the biggest storyline of the Republican debate has been the guy not on stage. And last night in Des Moines on CNN, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis got their final chance to tell caucus goers why they should vote for someone other than Donald Trump. I'm the only one running that's delivered on 100% of the promises that I've made. We need a new generational leader. We have watched our country be in disarray. We see the world on fire. And we need someone who's had executive experience. But here's the thing. Trump's decision to avoid these debates has really had a stark effect because instead of using that opportunity to criticize him, these candidates have continued to criticize each other. $150 million, and he spent more on private planes and commercials. We don't need another mealy-mouthed politician who just tells you what she thinks you want to hear just to try to get your vote. Perhaps it's because they're not truly concerned with winning Iowa. The goal right now is to be second, perhaps a first-place finish in New Hampshire, or even just coasting through and maybe taking Trump's place in the event of a guilty verdict later this year. The number of people that will be amnestied when I'm president is zero. You have to deport them. And the reason you have to deport them is they're cutting the line. Now, last night they did talk about policy. They both agreed that every single person to arrive in the country illegally in recent years should be deported. They differed on the importance of supporting Ukraine's war efforts. If we support Ukraine and Israel, that's only 5% of our defense budget. So if you're going to borrow support- that? And they argued over whether states should be in the business of punishing corporations with opposing political views. Most corporate Republicans would have caved. I stood and I fought for the kids. When they went and criticized him, he got thin skin and suddenly started to fight back. We don't need government fighting against our private industries. But one thing became clear. When you're fighting for second, it becomes maybe less about catching up than punching down at your opponent. You've got to stand up for those things. You've been, that you've you been did. beating that dead horse. Uh, that, that's because been it's multiple true, times. Ron. It's uh, true. However, Trump was not the only person absent from this stage. Because of some of the highest bars for polling so far, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie hadn't even gotten an invite, which kind of makes sense in Iowa. He had really been focusing all of his efforts on New Hampshire. But then last night in a last minute town hall, Christie admitted it was time for him to drop out of the race entirely. It's clear to me tonight 
that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination. Perhaps more than anything said on the debate stage last night, this is what could shift around some votes in the final days. So let's go straight to ABC's political director, Rick Klein. Rick, why is Christie hanging it up before we even get to the state where he thought he'd have his chance? Well, Brad, he says he's a truth teller, and the truth is he didn't have a path, and that became very obvious. And and if anything, he was going to block someone else from potentially getting the nomination. Whether that's the truth or not, there was always that fear that he had of that perception. And he's talked a lot recently about uh, his what he views now as a mistake in 2016 of getting on the Trump train when it was leaving the station. He says it was a political decision. I let the ambition get ahead and in control of the decision-making. He didn't want to be known as the guy that not only enabled Donald Trump and empowered him in 2016 and 2020, but then did it again inadvertently in 2024 by taking away from other candidates. And that if there's any chance to stop Donald Trump, it means uh, consolidating behind a candidate. He recognizes that candidate was not going to be him, and that's why he got out. Is there consolidating behind any candidate now? Like, could this have an actual effect on the race, whether in New Hampshire or elsewhere? Well, I was cooked. I mean, we're just a few days away, and, and Donald Trump is winning by so much. He's probably certainly going to set a, a modern-day record for a caucus victory. Uh, the question is second place, and if Ron DeSantis drifts into third place, that's a big problem for him. We don't need a candidate who's going to look down on middle America. Uh, we've had enough of that. He's only mad about the donors because the donors used to be with him, but they're no longer with him now. Nikki Haley's got a chance to do well in Iowa, and if she were to come in second, that helps a lot, and it really helps in New Hampshire. New Hampshire's just eight days after Iowa. There's another debate in between that'll be on ABC News, Brad, mm-hmm. and th- <laughs> that's a chance for Nikki Haley to truly break through, and that's where Chris Christie was the strongest. There was a poll out just the other day, Brad, that, that had, among Christie supporters, about two-thirds of them said if they weren't supporting Christie, they'd be with Nikki Haley. Huh. So it's not as easy as just saying one-to-one, but clearly Nikki Haley is the candidate who benefits the most from the timing of this. It plays into the perception that she's the person with the hot hand late. But then what? So Christie didn't say he was going to endorse anyone. Usually when something like this happens, you think they'll come out and say, so I'm dropping out and I ask you to support so-and-so instead. That didn't happen. Why not? Well, it's almost the opposite of an endorsement. In fact, just moments before he goes on stage, he's caught on a hot mic that his own campaign put out on the live stream. She's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Saying that he thinks that Nikki Haley's going to get smoked. (laughs) And if you listen to his speech, when he said that if you don't believe that Donald Trump is unfit for office, you're unfit for office yourself. Well, guess who flunks that test? Everyone else who's a major candidate Mm. for president. And all they did was voice their opposition in private, behind closed doors, quietly, so no one could hear. And that's not leadership, everybody. That applies to Ron DeSantis. That applies to Nikki Haley. It applies to Vivek Ramaswamy. So none of the candidates are passing that Chris Christie test. So he's uh, not, not going to be like, this is the truth teller when he's just been saying, like, none of these guys are truth tellers. That's right. He, he, the same the same issue that he sees inside the Republican Party. Uh, and the other, the other side of it is, and talking to some strategists about this in the last couple of days, you know, a Chris Christie endorsement isn't actually worth that much in a Republican mm. primary. More than seven in 10 Republicans in, in our poll, our ABC Ipsos poll out this week, Brad, say they would not have been satisfied with Chris Christie as the nominee. He's historically unpopular, part, part of the problem that he faced in the first place. So it's not clear that an endorsement would have helped, but clearly one isn't forthcoming. But when it comes to the GOP field, Rick, I wonder if Christie was kind of a role player, you know, like on NBA teams, like there's a guy who just shoots three pointers or a guy who just plays defense. Was Christie's role here to kind of be like that truth telling force to the one who was willing to stand up and be like, no, he should never be president again if none of his rivals were willing to do that? Could this shape sort of the rest of this race, at least in rhetoric? 
Well, look, if you if you look at the the way this race was cast by all of Donald Trump's opponents, the argument has been there's going to be one person standing against Donald Trump. And when it comes down to a head to head, someone who's electable and viable and vetted and been through all of the, the paces of a campaign, that then Republican voters are going to say, wait a second, we don't want the guy with all that baggage. We don't want the guy that could be a threat to democracy. We don't want the guy for for whom a prison sentence might be in his future. Uh, none of that has come to pass. Donald Trump has been as strong as ever. So in a sense, yes, Chris Christie was kind of a marginal player throughout, but his play was always to, to go from the bench to the starting lineup. Uh, and, and when it became clear that wouldn't happen, I think the hope now is that someone else could take that role, if not in the primary, then in the general election. Mm. Because you listen to Chris Christie talk, he very much sounded like someone that might think about a, a, a no-labels, third-party type candidate running as an independent, running in the middle, wow. because there are so many voters out there who frankly, don't want Donald Trump to be president again. They voted for him once. They really don't like Biden either. But they're watching this breakdown and saying, wait, there isn't a viable choice here. To my mind, Chris Christie is still saying I could be that guy. That's interesting, which would also then make sense why you're not endorsing someone if eventually you are going to come back to voters and say, actually, you should should still vote for me. All right. uh, Rick Klein, thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Next up on Start Here, they said the snow was safe. The very next day, an avalanche buried skiers. We're back in a bit. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor. You know the type, like I've had this person before, that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash start here. ZocDoc.com slash start here. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more, or I'd read a book, or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy... You should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. 
Up until this week, California's mountains hadn't gotten a ton of snow. It's been this way across a lot of ski destinations recently, a so-called snow drought. Well, this weekend, near Lake Tahoe, which sits right on the state line with Nevada, a storm finally dumped more than a foot of powder. Some pretty good snowfall coming in for the peaks of the Sierra. Cold temperatures as well. Great news for skiers, for resorts, the whole local community, really desperate rescue operation, the race to dig through the snow, some of it at least 10 feet deep. Until yesterday, when we learned all that snow at the Palisades Tahoe Resort had triggered an avalanche and that people were buried underneath. Let's go to ABC's Jeffrey Cook. He's based in Denver. He's covered many avalanches. So Jeff, first of all, can you just explain what happened in California here? Yeah, Brad, shortly before 10 a.m. yesterday, Palisades Tahoe had an avalanche inside the resort and what skiers call inbounds. And that's not supposed to happen because inside resorts, the terrain is mitigated. The ski patrol is working all the time to make sure that it's not going to slide. So any dangerous areas are supposed to be closed. And a lot of snow, as you said, is supposed to be a good thing. But what it can do, it can build up the danger and it creates a challenge for ski patrol to open up parts of the mountain. And so yesterday, when four people were caught in an avalanche, it was a surprise, a big one. Yeah, can you just describe, like, do, are these people who get buried by the snow coming in above them or what, what happened? Yeah, sometimes, Brad. Sometimes people are buried partially. Sometimes they're buried entirely. And of course, that's the most dangerous part. Uh, this is a very sad day for my, for my team and, and uh, everyone here. Two um, people, as we were told by officials yesterday, were, were buried. One of them, unfortunately, passed away. Our hearts are out to the and condolences to the to the victim, to victim's family, and certainly to everybody else involved in the incident. When this happened, people, of course, were around skiing. He was frantically looking for his wife. Bystanders jumped into action. Ski patrol, of course, skis down. He pointed to an area, but then somebody else said that they saw her get swept quite far below that point. Ski patrol has shovels. And so they start shoveling. We're going to try to clear all you guys out and get the dogs in here. They start using probes, long sticks, trying to find people. That's what this looks like. Dogs sniffing. Ski patrol is trained for incidents like this and to react as quickly as possible and try to get people out from under the snow. Our understanding is that this actually happened pretty close to a ski patrol hut. So the reaction was able to be pretty quick. And the sheriff said they did not believe anybody else was left behind, that they got everybody off the mountain. Jeff, you mentioned how rare like an, a so-called inbound avalanche is. Does that mean that like most of them are happening sort of off in the backwoods somewhere? Exactly. Avalanches usually happen outside of the resorts. Only 3% of avalanche deaths in the United States happen inside of a resort. Mm. And the reason for that is Ski Patrol spends the whole season making sure that any run that they're going to open up is not going to have an avalanche. They're using things like explosives. They're checking weather patterns. You know, we've got decades worth of weather data that we're always uh, resourcing or referencing. It's looking at current forecasts. It's looking at all different models. It's looking at wind speed, snowpack, density. They're actually looking at the snowpack layer. They're digging holes and really getting in there and making sure that there's not a danger of these runs sliding. So then what happened here? I mean, was the, the weather, the timing, was there anything here that could have pointed to why this would happen now? There's going to be an investigation into why this happened. And that's going to include the sheriff's department. It's going to include avalanche experts. It's obviously going to include the people at the resort who are in charge of the mitigation efforts. It was the season opening day for the K-22 chairlift, touted as one of the greatest expert lifts in America, serving difficult black diamond runs. But one interesting detail on this is that this was during a storm. 
heavy snow was falling and they just opened up this section of the mountain hmm. yesterday for the first time. And, and and why would that make a difference that it was snowing at the time? It makes the snowpack heavier. Hmm. And if there's a weak layer from a snowstorm, maybe weeks or months ago below, it makes the snow extremely heavy. It can cause it to collapse. And that's what causes a dangerous slide. And that's what ski patrol avalanche experts are checking all the time in the backcountry, in the resorts to try to keep people safe. I see. So like the, the fact that there was this snow, the so-called snow drought in California, that's not incidental. That that that, that could be more of a, of a factor here, perhaps. It could definitely be a factor when there's long stretches of not having snow. It can create weak layers that when a storm comes, it can cause it to collapse and cause a dangerous avalanche like this. How do you know all this stuff, Jeff? You're like a snow expert. I am what's called ARI certified. It's a certification organization that does classes uh, in the field, in the classroom, to train people on how to identify avalanche danger. <laughs> and then when a avalanche happens, they actually train you and certify you to be able to jump into action uh, with the tools that you're supposed to have, like a beacon, a shovel, and a probe. These organizations and these experts are begging people to start paying attention to avalanche danger, to avalanche forecast, because unsuspecting People who are just going for a hike in the winter, they get caught. It happens almost every year. It happened in Colorado last year. And there's a huge effort to get people more educated. But I want to be clear, Brad, most of this danger really exists in the backcountry. And regular people who are skiing on a daily basis on beginner and intermediate parts of the resorts do not need to be worried. However, ski resorts do ask those expert skiers on the steepest runs, especially right after or during a storm with lots of snowfall, to carry safety equipment like a beacon that can help ski patrol find you in the rare case there is an avalanche. And to think, you actually heard some of the officials from this resort during this press conference saying, yeah, we had people up on this part of the mountain for days making sure it was safe to open that part of the resort. And on the day they opened that part of the run, an avalanche came barreling down that hill. Uh, Our producer, Jeff Cook, thank you so much. Thanks, Brad. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, you come at the cartels you best not miss. One last thing is next. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. And one last thing. Imagine a criminal is on the loose in your town. There was a riot at the nearby prison, and now one of those inmates could be trekking through your neighborhood. You call a curfew, telling everyone to stay at home after dark, lock your doors. Well, in South America, in Ecuador, thousands of criminals are on the loose, and the entire country is on lockdown. Yesterday, in the capital of Quito, the country's new president, Daniel Noboa, declared that the country is in the midst of an internal armed conflict and mobilized the military. Similar to what you'd see in a civil war, except the warriors here are part of vast criminal gangs. 
everywhere one from uh, 11 p.m. until 5 a.m. Uh, nobody is able uh, to leave their house. That's ABC's Aisha El Hamar Castano, who covers Latin America. She's based in Brazil. For a long time, she says Ecuador was viewed as a pretty stable, peaceful country in the region. That changed in recent years. This week, one of the most feared gang leaders in South America, a drug lord known as Fito, busted out of prison. Fito disappeared, completely vanished from a high security prison in Guayaquil. That would all be disturbing all by itself. The guy's a notorious criminal. He's the most wanted man in the country. But it didn't stop there. All at once, these gangs, even the rival ones, have risen up and taken over these prisons. 28 other buildings were also attacked yesterday in Guayaquil. At several prisons, gangs held the guards captive by the dozens. Nearby, local government offices came under attack. At one point, armed men stormed into a TV station and took over the broadcast while live on air. It's like something you'd see in a military coup, but instead it's being run by all these gangs. And Aisha says this has been building for years. The gang system, especially in Latin America, is almost uh, working as political parties. Over the span of years, there was this big upheaval in South American narco-terrorism. Colombia's major militant group signs a peace deal, and these cartels go off looking for new branches in other countries. Soon, they're exerting so much power in Ecuador that even in prison, they're essentially running the place. I was there like uh, two years ago, and if you go outside of search and jail, you even see them wearing regular clothes, speaking on the phone, and being on hammock, you know, like taking the sun, pretty much. And like on, on a hand, like lying in hammocks? Absolutely. She describes guests coming and going as they please, gangs building their brands on social media with impunity. Fito was, uh, was uh, taped, he was taped on a YouTube video uh, participating uh, in, in a music video. So that's one thing to understand. The gangs have been taking over. The other is that the country's new president says he'll do whatever it takes to put them back in their place. Acabo de firmar. Daniel Noboa has gone to such lengths to combat violence in his country that some have called his government repressive. He's spending millions on prisons, making mass arrests. The police force has aggressively sought to seize assets from drug suspects. We'll consider this the cartel rebellion. When the state of emergency was declared by the president, gang leaders start gathering and say, you know what, we're just going to show you that you're not the one who rule the country. And they just start like doing a lot of different attacks in the country, and not just in one or two cities, but in all the country. In a deadly game of who blinks first, gangs are now trying to seize port cities, which are important if you want to export drugs, and government officials are on high alert for assassination. Yesterday, neighboring countries like Peru announced they're beefing up their military presence on the border, but Aisha says this will extend far beyond Ecuador. Fito who is the gang leaders of Los Choneros. And Los Choneros is a gang that is linked directly to Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. That's also important to know because it, it does impact directly uh, the United States. It's not just like a local story. It's really something that, that can impact America. The Ecuadorian military says they've arrested hundreds, that foreign prisoners will all be deported immediately. In the meantime, civilians will be spending yet another night indoors, perhaps the only places where people are truly locked in. 
Aisha kept driving at home. When you have these types of crises, guess what? You see people flee their country looking for a new place to live. We saw it in Venezuela. Could we be seeing it now? More on all these stories at abcnews.com or the ABC News app. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow. 